It is awesome. Really delighted to be here. Kia ora, ni hao, anyong haseo. Welcome to uh, week four of our series on Philippians letters from lockdown. And, uh, you know, we really hope that it's been useful for you over these last few weeks as we've uh, gone through this letter written by the Apostle Paul to this fantastic uh, young church in a place called Philippi. And we've looked at some of the themes that really come out in the book of Philippians. We've looked at um, uh, this, the sense of peace that Paul has in really a situation that wasn't super peaceful. I mean, he's in chains, in prison, just a block or so from where Nero lived, who was the most prolific Christian killer of a generation, uh, and yet there was such a peace that Paul had in that place. We looked at suffering and how suffering and breakthrough are, are connected together. And then we looked last week at joy and how that there is a joy that comes that is in no way connected to your circumstances, as we found from Paul. And today we're going to look at uh, the idea of eternity, the perspective that we get from eternity. And I want to give a quick shout out to Pastor Steve, uh, who shared some powerful, powerful perspectives this week that really spoke to me. And I want to share a little bit of that today. You see, it's Paul's perspective on eternity that drives so much of what he is doing, so much of how he handles the situations that he is in, and so much of his ability to continue to press forward in circumstances that look like they are a dead end. In Philippians 3, Paul writes this. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly body so that they will be like his glorious body. This is a powerful thought team, that our citizenship is in heaven. Now, we all have a national citizenship. Some of us are here from China. Some of us here from Korea. Some of us here from South America. Some of us here from the UK. Some of us here from South Africa. Some of us here from all sorts of different places. And uh, it really is an extraordinary thing to come together like this. And we all have a national citizenship. And many of us here are New Zealand citizens, and a bunch of us are becoming New Zealand citizens, and one of us has just become a New Zealand citizen, which is so exciting. So what does citizenship mean? Well, to be a New Zealand citizen means a number of things. Firstly, a New Zealand citizen can call New Zealand home forever. Secondly, a citizen can go places that is afforded by a New Zealand passport. That means that they have, same, have the same access to places that anyone in New Zealand has. A citizen has full access to New Zealand's education system. It has full access to New Zealand's economy. And it has full access to participation in New Zealand's society. Now, this is interesting because we're also citizens of heaven. So that helps us right, understand a little bit about what Paul is saying. It means that we can call heaven home, and it can be home for us forever. We can never be told to leave. It means that we can go anywhere that heaven has access. It means we can learn everything that heaven has to offer. It means we can access everything heaven has to provide. And it means we can call heaven our family, and we can be a full part of the life that Christ offers us through that. I mean, the reality is we have dual citizenship, right? I mean, 
We're New Zealand citizens and we're citizens of heaven. But one of those is temporary. One of those will pass away. But we have a citizenship with God that will go on and on. And that's what Paul is reminding us of. See, this other perspective of what Paul writes about Jesus is he says, not only do we have citizenship in heaven, but the work of Jesus isn't done yet. His work to bring everything under his control, his work to restore everything that was broken back to wholeness isn't done yet. And heaven is the fullest expression of what Jesus will do. You see, the end isn't going to come through some global virus. We're going to have more of those, no doubt. But the end is not going to come through that. The end is not going to come through some sort of worldwide ecological meltdown. The end is not going to come through some sort of crazy one world government. No, the end is going to come when Jesus comes to finish what he has started. That is when that will happen. In Revelations chapter 21, it says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That is when the world will end. That was when everything will end. When Jesus says it's time to end it, and he comes back and makes everything new. You see, we don't live in the light of the world and its fears and its concerns and its problems. Our identity, our belonging, our territory, our home, our perspective, our worldview is not the temporal. Ours is the eternal It's like Paul is saying, church, get your vision right. You have to see everything from an eternal perspective. And I want to encourage us this morning with some thoughts around what that means, what that looks like, and how do we engage in that. So the first thought this morning is this. The light of eternity will help you, number one, live for the right well done. Live for the right well done. Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He knows who and what he is pushing on for. You know, when I first came to Auckland, Liz and I and the family first came to Auckland, I was stationed over at East. And there's nothing more nerve-wracking than than having a preach when Pastor Luke is in the building. I mean, Luke's a bit of a legend, uh, certainly one of the most prolific church builders of this generation in this nation, and probably far beyond that as well. And he's a phenomenal communicator. I've studied a lot about communication over the years, and his ability to communicate, to put material together, to communicate it in a way that can be received is quite extraordinary. So when you've got to get up and preach in front of Pastor Luke, it's a pretty nerve-wracking exercise, I can tell you. Why? Because you want him to say, well done. And we've learned over the years that, you know, if you do all right, at the end of it, Pastor Luke will come out and he'll go, good message. Just two words, good message. Uh, we were talking about this as the leads. We've realized there's actually another level up. If he comes up to you and puts his hand on your shoulder and says, good message. You can retire. You're done. It's as good as it gets. That's it. Time to go home. You know, it's amazing. The reality, right, is that all of us live for the well done of somebody. And that's fine and that's normal, but 
But I think what Paul is saying through Philippians about having an eternal perspective is we've got to be really clear whose well done it is that we are looking for. The Apostle Paul, while writing this letter, he wasn't, he wasn't living for the well done of his Jewish peers. If he was, he would never have committed his life to Christ. He would have kept on killing Christians, shutting down churches. He would have done those things and put them in prison. And he would have heard those words in some way, shape, or form. Well done, good and faithful Pharisee. Paul also wasn't living for the well done of Rome, even though he was a Roman citizen. If he was, he would have stopped preaching the gospel. He would have rejected Christ. And he would have acknowledged Caesar as his Lord, not Jesus. And he would have received that well done. In some way, shape, or form, something along the lines of well done, good and faithful Roman. But Paul is living in the light of eternity. He is looking for the well done of Jesus. You know, some of us here today, some of us here today, maybe it's time to take another look at whose well done we are living for. I knew this counselor many, many years ago. He's a pastor, a very talented counselor. counselor. And he was telling me a story of a guy he had counseled at some point. Now, this guy worked for a um, very significant government organization. He was a young guy, and he was, he was just excelling far beyond anyone else that was around him. I mean, he had gone to places of seniority. They'd never had someone that young in those places of seniority. He was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. He was uh, just extraordinary. He was pushing himself, pushing himself, It was unbelievable, but the problem was that he was going into burnout, he was losing his marriage, his ability to maintain relationships with his colleagues was breaking down. He was in a desperate place, and so he ended up in this counselor's room. And and as the story continued to unfold, uh, this friend of mine, he he said it was kind of like a nudge from the spirit, and he just stopped him, and he said to this young guy, let me just get this right, he said, Who are you waiting to clap for you? Who are you waiting to clap for you? The young man just sat there, kind of stunned for a whole minute before, with his eyes full of tears, he said, oh my gosh, it's my dad. I'm waiting for my dad to clap, but he's never gonna do that. His dad was a cold and distant man. There was nothing that this young man could do to do that. And the problem was, is that he had just realized that he was living for the wrong well done and it was starting to destroy his life. You know, I know that all of us here, we love God, we, we want to we see God's will done in our lives, we want to make a difference on this planet in some sort of meaningful way. But let me just ask you to take a moment and check whose well done is it that you are living for? Because the well done of success, the well done of power, the well done of money, the well done of position, the well done of possessions is short term and temporal and empty and fleeting and perishing. In the light of eternity, there's only one well done that will matter. And that's the one you receive when you finally stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And you give an account for what you've done with your life. And you hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little and I will set you over much. Love this. Enter into the joy of your master. Maybe it's time for some of us here to choose the right well done to live our lives for. 
many of us will be aware that the great apologist Ravi Zacharias passed away just a short time ago. I don't know about you, but certainly his teaching and his speaking had made a huge impact in my life. He was once asked what he would say to God when he met him, and of course he has now met him. But Ravi responded to the question saying, I am less concerned with what I will say to him and more concerned with what he will say to me. He was looking for the right well done. Amen. The second thought this morning is this, that the light of eternity will help you understand your story. And this is so important. You know, Lizzie and I watched an, an old 80s movie on Netflix last week. And it reminded me that so many of these old 80s movies had these great plot twists right at the very end. And this movie had a great plot twist right at the end. The problem was, I couldn't go to sleep. I'm lying there in bed for like two hours, running back through the movie going, oh my gosh, when he said that, oh, he was saying something else. When this happened, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. Like it was blew my mind. It was like I had to look back the whole, at the whole story again. Some of you have been around long enough. Remember the movie that came out in the 90s called The Sixth Sense was with Bruce Willis. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you what happens at the end. So for those of you who haven't seen it, never mind. There are other good movies. But what was classic about that movie, it, was, it had this great plot twist, right? Where you get to the end of the movie and Bruce Willis, who's the main character, is actually dead and he's been dead for the whole movie. That's the crazy thing about a plot twist, right? The plot twist at the end means that now the whole story is seen in a different light. And let me say this, eternity is the plot twist. At the end, that means your whole story will be seen in a different light. And we need to use that now to understand our story before we get to the end. Eternity, the plot twist, illuminates everything. See, we see this and we catch a glimpse of this with Paul in chapter 1. He says this. He says, what has happened to me? Now, what has happened to him? Well, his ministry has come to an end. He's been locked up. He's been, in prison, he's been in lockdown for two years. Now he's actually in prison in chains. I mean, it's just looking like it's getting worse in terms of his call, his purpose, his ministry. This is what he says. He says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It's like he has this complete mind change. He, he suddenly, in, in the light of eternity, he goes, oh my gosh, these things happen, but actually, I didn't realize, but actually, these are part of a bigger story. This is part of God's plan and God's purpose. I mean, the gospel's got to go to the whole world. That's actually got to go to Rome as well. And here I am in Rome. And it's got to go to every person. And here I am bringing it to these, even these Praetorian guards. It was like he saw it. In the light of eternity, had helped him understand his story. I'm telling you, Paul had a joy because of that. We looked at this last week, right? When we get a heavenly perspective, we get a joy on what is going on. Because we're not determined by our circumstances. You've got to understand your story in the light of eternity. You know, people without an eternal perspective find only darkness and confusion. When tragedy strikes, when something like a COVID-19 virus comes and wrecks everything, throws people into lockdown, when bad things happen, they don't understand their story. It doesn't make sense. Maybe it's time for you. Maybe it's time for you to stop. 
and to take another look at the story of your life from eternity's perspective. You know, the reality is, thing, sometimes bad things happen. Can I be clear? When bad things happen, God isn't punishing you, but God will use what has happened to you to position you for something up ahead if you will trust Him, if you'll go through that with Him. Sometimes opposition comes. Opposition is needed to build strength. You go to the gym, you're not going to build muscles without pushing something. Failures teach us how to fight. And sometimes we, if we're going to learn how to fight, we're going to have to go through some failures to learn how to do that. Sometimes like an arrow, you've got to be pulled back a little bit before you can be released to go forward into the places and in the way that God wants to take you. Understanding your story from heaven's perspective is so important. Like I just felt this during worship. This is for somebody here. You've got to realize you're not alone in the fire. You're not alone in the trial. There's someone with you in the fire. There's someone else with you in the fire. You need to go look up that story again of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, thrown into the fire. But there was an, a fourth one in the fire. I'm telling you, someone here is struggling with loneliness and difficulty in your current situation. And I'm declaring to you, you are not alone in the fire. You are not alone in the fire, which means look for him. That's the thing. Look for him. He is there. He will speak to you. He will lead you. And he will take you from this place. And there's something else. Amen. I tell you, that's for somebody here. The third thought this morning about eternity is that the light of eternity will help you to stand out in your generation. You realize that God hasn't called you to be average? God's called you to stand out in your generation. Paul writes this in Philippians 2, it is God who works in you to will and to act according, sorry, to fulfill his good purpose, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will, listen to this, then you will shine like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Can you see, Paul, it's like he's going, it's like he's imagining himself in the light of eternity. He's there. He's at the final day. He's passed through death. He's now on the threshold of heaven. He's there. And it's like he's looking back over his shoulder. And he's looking back at all he's invested his life into. And he's looking at this little church in Philippi that, that just, that so shone in that generation, that so stood out and so led so many people to Christ that made such a difference in their worlds. And he's looking back and he's going, yeah, I, I didn't run the race in vain. I didn't labor in vain. It's that eternal perspective. But it helps, it helps us to realize that God's plan and purpose is for them to shine like stars. I'm telling you, God's plan and purpose is for you to shine like a star where you are. Who knows that the brightest stars in the sky are not actually stars at all, right? They're planets reflecting the powerful light of the sun. The, the purpose is not for you to be so internally incredible on your own gifting and your own talent that you shine. No, no. Your job is to reflect the powerful light of Christ in your life so that others see his grace, others see his goodness, others see his kindness, others see his ability, others see your giftings, the supernatural giftings in your life. That is what you're looking for. And, and it's interesting, right? Because Paul says it doesn't actually take much. You know, I find this intriguing. Because let's look where he goes next. He says this, all you've got to do is eradicate grumbling and arguing. It's like, what? 
Grumbling, arguing, complaining, murmuring is one of the most destructive sins recorded in, in Scripture when you go and study it. It's fascinating. Just prior to this, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? I mean, Paul was a scholar. He was a Pharisee. He understood all of Israel's history. And he knew that it was complaining and murmuring that stopped Israel from going into the promised land. And it's often complaining and murmuring that stops Christ followers like us from going into our promised land. You know that murmuring and grumbling has wrecked the kingdom effectiveness of more Christian lives than alcohol and drugs and many, many other things. And that's not who we are. The world is full of complainers. The church is not meant to have any complainers. And that doesn't mean you just let things go. Absolutely not. But there's a way to address things. There's a way to engage with things. You know, if your boss is, is doing something you think is wrong, don't go murmuring and complaining about it with the other staff around the water cooler. No, you go knock on his door, take him a coffee, sit down and, and, and address it with him one on one. Hey, look, I just, I'm just concerned. Can I talk to you about this? There's a way to do this. And God has called us to be people who don't complain. We're called to be encouragers. We're not called to pull down, we're called to build up. We're not called to close doors in front of people, we're called to open doors in front of people. We're called to make a difference, we're called to appreciate. You know what? God has called you to shine. So stand out in faith. Stand out in encouragement. Stand out in doing the right thing. Trust God, stay in faith in the place that you are in. When you see Life in the light of eternity, you realize, right, that so much that we get upset about is completely pointless. Keep living for others. Keep making a difference. Yes, there will be trouble, but God's purpose is a great purpose on this planet. His purpose is to take as many to heaven as he can, to redeem as many lives as is possible, to turn around as many situations and businesses and schools and churches as he can, to see more and more people rising up. And that is our purpose, ladies and gentlemen. And we're not just called to do it averagely. You are called to shine in your generation. Look, as we come to a close this morning, I, I want us just to take a moment, if we can, with the Spirit of God. And I'm going to ask you to, if you're, if you're comfortable, just to close your eyes. Just, can we just take a moment now and just close our eyes together? Look, I want you to imagine yourself like Paul did. I want you to imagine yourself on your final day. You've passed through death. And there you are, standing at the threshold of heaven, Jesus himself is coming towards you, arms held wide, delight in his eyes. And just for a moment, you, you look back over your shoulder. It's like you see your life stretching out behind you. And here you are standing in the light of eternity. What do you see? Have you lived for the right, well done, have you understood the real story of your life and what God was doing to show off in you? Have you shined like a star in your generation? Have you done away with negativity and complaining? Have you stayed in faith? Have you served and lifted others? 
you know, you, you turn back and you find the Lord standing right there, right in front of you. And it's like just, it's, it's almost like waves of love and acceptance and grace it just are like coming off him and they're enveloping you. You've never felt so accepted. You've never felt so understood. You've never felt so loved. And then you hear him speak. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You made me proud. You lived for the right, well done. You understood your story and and you found my purpose in everything that came your way. It wasn't easy, but you trusted me and worked with the Holy Spirit. You didn't complain or grumble. You stayed in faith. You served others. You lifted them up. I tell you, many are here today because of your encouragement in their lives. Welcome home. Jesus, I pray, Lord, in this moment, by the power of your spirit, Lord, would you just begin to speak to each of us, Lord. God, help us to make the decision in this moment, Lord, to live for the right well done. Jesus, in this moment, help us to, to see our lives in the light of eternity, Lord, to understand our story, and to see the story of our lives in light of that final moment, that final day, that plot twist when Jesus comes. Lord of lords, King of kings. Lord, help us to shine like stars in our generation to put our heads up and our shoulders back, to lift others to do the right thing and do the right thing and do the right thing. Lord, let us be citizens of heaven. Thank you, Lord.